All right, before we get started with this podcast, I want you guys to listen to something. We're going to listen to some elk bugling, which a lot of people have never heard in their lives, but uh, this section of road from the West Entry Gate right there at the edge of West Yellowstone to Madison Junction is by far and away the best spot to hear this crazy, eerie call that the elk do in the fall in Yellowstone Park. So, so here we go. <laughs> that just too cool <laughs> it's just so hip and i'm telling you from uh, right up there at that second meta that we're getting ready to get into in this podcast a little bit is the place to hear uh, elk bugling in yellowstone park so um, anyway welcome to explore yellowstone like a local the number one podcast for yellowstone and grand teton and home to the top rated guidebook of the same name and i am your author as well as your host for this podcast teddy garland the guidebook has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park and a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone and even the Bible for Yellowstone Park. So if you guys are thinking about getting a guidebook for your Yellowstone vacation and you want some more information, simply listen to my Introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local podcast, or you can watch me talk about the same things in a little shortened version on our YouTube video of the same name. There you will hear how easy the guidebook is to use how it breaks the enormous size of Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites that you can easily and enjoyably do in a single day, and in the Planning Your Yellowstone Vacation chapter, how the guidebook helps you save time by beating all the crowds to all the top sites, and how to save thousands of dollars on your Yellowstone vacation by following my money-saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining. And I highly recommend all of you join our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group where you will see hundreds of sparkling reviews for the guidebook as well as thousands of pictures that you guys have posted of you guys having a great time in Yellowstone Park with the help of the guidebook. To get your copy, simply go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, where you can get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks or a paperback copy for 25 bucks. And I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Explore Yellowstone sticker as well. And we have some combo deals on there, which are very popular. And they save you a little money. And uh, just everybody be aware that we only print off a 1,000 paperback copies of the guidebook every year to do our part to help save the environment and not waste paper and all that yada yada. And we sold out of guidebooks. This is the spring of 2024. In 2023, we sold out right about August 10th. So I predict we're going to sell out quicker than that. Maybe the end of the last third week in July or something like that, we will sell out of those 1,000 paperback copies. 
So be sure and get yours ordered if you want to get a paperback copy. So, all right, so let's get started. And uh, remember, this podcast is simply a podcast that is listed in the guidebook for you guys to listen to. For those of you that want to hear some funny, interesting stories about you driving to the location you're going to. Like, say, if you're going to go watch geysers go off, you're going to listen to this podcast, which is the Westgate to Madison Junction and the Madison Junction Old Faithful. And these stories I tell in these podcasts are simply too lengthy to put in the guidebook. So the podcasts give me a venue to tell you guys some fun stories as you drive along through Yellowstone Park. And just remember that the guidebook is the cake. Uh, these podcasts are just a little icing on that cake for you guys. Little little fun sprinkles on top of that guidebook for you guys. So, all right, let's get rolling. So let's get started with this great section of road. This is the West Entry Gate, or West Yellowstone, because they're right there next door to each other, to Madison Junction. It's about a 15-mile section of road, and you guys will be driving this a lot, because you know, most of the majority of you should be and will be staying right in West Yellowstone or right out of West Yellowstone, and you'll be driving this road a lot. But there's some cool stuff to see on this road, so let, let's get into it. Uh, West Entry Gate to Madison Junction. Let's get rolling. All right, so first things first, let's talk about getting through the entry gate, which is about a block east of the southeast corner of town on Yellowstone Avenue. It's the largest entry gate into Yellowstone Park. It's got about five stalls across there. And uh, you can now go to the NPS website and go to yourpassnow.com and get one downloaded to your phone. And if you guys have already been through the gate, you'll have a receipt. Be sure and keep that receipt because it's good for two weeks for both any entry gate into Yellowstone Park as well as Grand Teton. So that gets you through the gate. And if you've got that downloaded pass or you've got that receipt, get in the far right lane because the far right lane is where they have prepaid passes only. So you won't get stuck behind some guy pulling a fifth wheel on a motorhome asking him what campgrounds are open and closed and where he can park this thing and na 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 and all that stuff. So get your pass downloaded early and then uh, or have that receipt. It only takes about a minute. If you guys get into the park early like I preach till the cows come home about 6 or 6.30 there won't be anybody there. There might be one or two cars in front of you on any of the gates and it'll take one minute to get your give them a credit card they sign it you give it back they hand you your your receipt so it takes about one minute but if you get stuck in a whole line of cars coming out and trust me that line of cars can be blocks if not close to a mile long about 8 30 or 9 o'clock get in there early get your pass get your receipt whatever and then keep it and then get in that far right lane every time you go back through and it may look like it's a longer line but trust me that line is going to go click 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 click, 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 and you're going to get right into the gate. So that's first things first, is getting into the gate and get that prepaid pass or just keep your receipt after you got in early and don't lose that receipt. So, and pay off in spades for two weeks for you guys. So, all right, so right when you guys go through the gate, the road will narrow back up to two lanes, which is the norm all the way through the park. You'll run through a real long straightaway, about two miles long, and this is called Christmas Tree Alley. And back in the day, the turn of the century, about 1900 or so, all the locals from West Yellowstone and all the rangers in Yellowstone Park and everything would come out and they would have Christmas in West Yellowstone. And everybody got their Christmas trees along this section of road. Hence the name Christmas Tree Alley. And uh, pretty quick as you keep going along through Christmas Tree Alley, you'll see a sign on the side of the road that says Entering Wyoming. And uh, just FYI, 
about 90% of the park is in the state of Wyoming, and uh, the rest of it's in uh, Montana, which you just left, and that covers the kind of the north western end of the park and uh, just below you to the south is Idaho and the southwestern portion of the park uh, which covers a lot of the Beckler region which is my favorite part of Yellowstone Park is in the uh, state of Idaho. It's kind of an interesting story about that the three states that uh, Yellowstone Park sits in. There was an old show on TV, got 10 or 15 years ago, called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And uh, the first guy to ever win a million dollars, the million dollar question was, which three states does Yellowstone Park sit in? And he still had a lifeline. It was he can, he can call somebody. So he just he get, plays it cool, and he goes, I'm going to call my mother. And he goes, uh, hey, Mom. He goes, you remember all those trips we used to take to Yellowstone? Stone Park all the time, and she goes yes, and she he goes I just wanted to thank you for that because it just won me a million bucks. So <laughs> so knowing which states Yellowstone Park sits in could uh, actually pay off some pretty good cheese. So yeah, but that was the, the original question, the original million dollar question on who wants to be a millionaire is which three states does uh, Yellowstone Park sit in? And that guy had been taken to Yellowstone Park as a kid his whole life, and he knew it right off the bat and won a million bucks. So that's kind of pretty cool so anyways you kind of weave through there the road will kind of twist around a little bit and you'll notice some smaller lodgepole pine trees start to appear on your right about the same time you see the Madison River appear on your left and these are the new quote-unquote new lodgepole pines that have grown since the fires of 1988. It used to be the whole road almost all the way up to the first meadow which is still about four miles up from you guys used to just be tree lined like it was back there at the entry through Christmas Tree Avenue. You couldn't see anything. And the fires went through in 88 and burned all of those trees down. I'm telling you, in 1989, it was some of the lowest park visitation totals in the history of Yellowstone Park, in modern history of Yellowstone Park. And, uh, man, I went through the gate, went through there, and everybody avoided Yellowstone Park because it was going to be all burnt up and everything. But, man, it was cool. You got to that point where those young trees are now, and you could see for miles. I mean, where you couldn't see anything before. I mean, if you had to find an animal or a bear or an elk or a bison or something in the trees right through there, man, they'd be standing right next to the road. All of a sudden, you could see for miles. I mean, look off to your left, straight off to your left a couple miles up there on a hill, and there's a big mountain back over their left, kind of a big bald mountain right there. Look at the very, very tip top of it. And that is the fire cabin on top of Mount Holmes. And uh, I'm telling you, those fires of 88, I'd been in the park a thousand times up until then. And uh, it was I, it was like driving through a new park. I mean, there was wildflowers blooming on the ground everywhere and, and new trees sprouting up and everything else. Those trees are just starting to get tall enough where you can't see over the top of them, unfortunately. But uh, the fires of 88 were way, way, way overdue. The park was over 100 years old overdue for a big burn. So it wasn't a bad thing. It was, And they let everything burn naturally. The only place they put the fires of 88 out were around the old Fateful Inn. And back then, they didn't have fire suppression on the roof or anything else. So they had to, fire trucks out there just dousing that old Fateful Inn for days, if not a week or more. And uh, because uh, that fire went right around the old Fateful Inn and then you know, went right, around, right next to old Fateful and headed right, right north. So, But 
But yeah, that uh, that fire of '88 was really cool. And if you guys get a rainy day and uh, you want to go learn more about those fires of '88, the museum in Tam, which is right there on Yellowstone Avenue, which is you know, right when you go into the entry gate, right back there, the museum in West Yellowstone is absolutely top notch, and they've got a really really well done video room. They've got a little room in there. You go in there, just constantly running video. It's about a 10-minute cycling video of all the fires of 88. It's incredible. Trust me, I was up there. I mean, I was up there. I, was, I drove the Marysville Grassy Lake Road during the fires because we had to go pick up somebody at, at the Jackson Hole Airport. And we couldn't get over Teton Pass, couldn't go through the parks. We tried that Marysville Road, and sure enough, nobody had closed it yet. I mean, the, the trees were just exploding down the up next to us, going down the road like Roman candles. You couldn't believe it. A 60, 80-foot tree would go up in three seconds. It was unreal. It, it was one of the most harrowing drives I think I've ever had in my life. But uh, that museum has a great video of in there about those fires. And it also has a really good, there's a giant stuffed bear in there called Snaggletooth. And that bear almost tore the hood off my Aunt Rosalind's Vista Cruiser when Uncle Jack took us all as kids to the dump to watch the bears eat some food. And that's I tell that story in uh, my podcast, uh, West Yellowstone Dining and Entertainment. It is really, really funny. I've had a lot of you guys talk, tell me about uh, that you guys went in that museum just to see Snaggletooth because he's nearly totaled my Aunt Rosalind's brand new Vista Cruiser. <laughs> I got a paper tag on it still. But anyway, I tell that story in the in the uh, West Yellowstone Dining and Entertainment Podcast. So you'll hear that. You guys listen to it there. It's pretty funny, so I gotta admit. But uh, anyways, you guys continue on down the road. The road will kind of drop down a plateau and uh, drop down about 50 or 80 feet right down to the same level as the Madison River, which is still on your left. And then it'll make a curve back to the right over there and there'll be a lot of burned trees still sticking up in the air on the opposite side of the Madison River over there. And that is a great place to see bald eagles. They seem to be always hanging out in those dead trees about 40 feet in the air because they're fishing the waters right there of the Madison River. That's a great place to see a bald eagle up and down through there as you continue along. So about a mile further up the road and you're going to cross the Madison River will cross underneath you on the aptly named Seven Mile Bridge because you are exactly seven miles from the west entry gate back there where you started. You're about at the halfway point before you get to Madison Junction. The Seven Mile Bridge is actually the starting point of where you are going to start seeing animals, uh, and mainly in this bison in the springtime and during the summer, and then in the late summer and fall, it's elk, like we heard the elk bugling at the start of this podcast. This is where you're going to start seeing them. There's a really interesting story about Kodak using taking a picture right off the right-hand corner of that bridge, and, and they invented this crazy thing called a panoramic camera. And so they took pictures about 12 inches wide and about 4 inches tall. I've got a stack of these things still. Man, they took great pictures in this disposable camera. Anybody that's older in your group like I am will say, man, I know exactly what that guy's talking about. You know, everybody uses their phone today, but man, these panoramic cameras were just, you know, you could go buy one for six bucks and then you took it to a drugstore and they developed the film and called you in two days and you went, picked it up. That picture off the corner of that bridge was used worldwide to, I mean, China, Japan, London, Paris, all of Europe, just worldwide. The promotional picture used when you went and dropped off your film to promote that panoramic camera was taken off the corner of that bridge. It was unreal. So I, I get into more in depth in that, uh, that story about that panoramic camera 
and uh, using those things in the park in the guidebooks. So if you've got any more information, you're going to get it there. So, But this first or lower meadow is where a lot of people pull off and stop right past that bridge because there's a huge parking pulling over there to the right. Now, the problem with this lower first or lower meadow, it was just simply huge. It's about a mile across and probably two miles long from end to end from the bridge right there up to the tip where it kind of narrows back in up there. And the bison and the elk and stuff always seem to hang out on the far side. They seem to be way over there. So if they're not really close to the road where you can pull over and get a good view of them, don't stop. Just keep going. You'll see a ton of cars pulled over here looking at those elk and bison way off in the distance. But, man, I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be up the road a little bit, and they're going to be a lot closer to your car. So don't stop here unless they're right up close to the road. This is also the point where you're going to start getting in a bison jam. And what happens is the, the bison migrate along the Madison River, come up through there, right by that seven-mile bridge, and then they swing into that meadow. But that meadow narrows up to a point up there at the, at the eastern end, and the bison jump on the road right through here. So you're, that's the place you're going to start getting stuck in a bison jam. And man, I'm telling you, you do not want to get stuck in a bison jam. Just read the guidebook on my two important tips to have a great day in Yellowstone Park. And if you do get happen to be stuck in a bison jam, I tell you how to work your way through a bison jam in the guidebook as well. So you're not stuck in traffic all day. You guys don't want to get stuck in traffic. Once you're stuck in traffic, you can't get out of it. The guidebook tells you how to avoid those, those, those problems. So... Again, the two things I am not going to waste in my life are time and money. And I, I'm telling you guys how to not waste time by getting stuck in a bison jam in that guidebook. So, all right. So, uh, there is a great story right when you come. The Madison River will meander through that valley way over to the right. And then the road and the Madison meet back up. But this time, the Madison will be on your right. And there's a great pull-off right there. It's a good place to stop and look right there. And there's a lot of boulders in the river and blah, blah, blah. It's a really pretty spot. A lot of people pull over and take pictures here. But there's a great story. I've got a really good story. And this is one of the stories that I did not put in the guidebook because it's just so lengthy. But I'm going to put it here. So this is a great story. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in Yellowstone Park. And I've been in Yellowstone Park thousands of times, you guys. So it's probably about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, 19 or 2010-ish, right through there. I was by myself. I had been in the park and hiked around and done a bunch of stuff. I was coming back out of the park about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I knew these elk were here. I knew they were still out there, and there was a big buck elk, and there was a, and he had at least 50 or 60 does. I mean, he, he was the king daddy of elk in the Yellowstone Park. Biggest elk I've ever seen. He was as big as a horse, and his rack was... God, eight feet wide, just this enormous elk. I mean, he was just huge. So there's these two smaller elk over there messing with him, trying to distract him so they could go over there and grab, you know, a handful of those does and, and scurry him out of there. And so... He's over there messing with these two elk and all this kind of stuff, charging them a little bit, making that eerie cry and all this kind of stuff. So I pulled over and I said, I'm going to go check this out and see what's going on. So we saw there's 100 people up on the road right there. 
and they're down on the on the river out there, kind of across the river. So it was pretty. They were pretty far away. So I, you know, I kind of walked down the side of the road right there, right where the Madison kind of comes in and narrows up. I went back over there, and there's this huge fallen log. You can still see it today. I went back there and kind of got behind this big fallen log, and where I could get a little closer to the action. I was only about fifty feet from the road, but I was seemed to, I was a lot closer to where the elk were. Well, one elk would come in, try to distract him. The other one would go over there. He'd charge over there. And distract, get him out of the way, and all this. So this went on for about ten minutes, and and uh, so they started to get into the river a little bit, and so I kind of tucked behind this log over here, and here comes this this dad and his probably six or eight year old little son and he came walking down there with me and he goes is it okay to be here and I said yeah yeah we're plenty fine we're you know, we're well with it yeah, outside the distance of being with the elk and so we're logging and I said the cars are right there and so he goes okay okay I just wanted to make sure and so we're tucked down behind this log and this kid's you know he's got his head up there and he's got his hands on this big log and he's looking over there at these elk well sure enough after about five more minutes of this going on that big elk just had it with these two smaller elk elk and there was one was much bigger than the other one and so they just get out there and they're in the middle of the madison river and i mean they just get after it they rear up on their hind legs and they clash horns and they put their heads down and i mean you could hear them breathing grunting waters flying everywhere 15 20 feet in the air those antlers are cracking i mean when those antlers would crack when they would hit you could hear it for miles i mean it sounded like somebody shot a gun and i mean it was just incredible just absolutely incredible and so we're sitting there and uh, i mean this is just going on for about five minutes i mean i looked over at that little kid and his eyes his eyes are just as big as silver dollars and his mouth's agape i mean it, it's just so cool and so we're sitting there and and uh, finally that elk has just had it he take he locks horns with that other bull and just turns him into the water and just pushes him down, almost trying to drown him. And that elk's legs are flying everywhere. He's trying to get up and everything else. And that elk's got him pinned down in the water. I mean, he comes up out of that water and just, you know, and they go at it again and clack horns. And and uh, finally, that other elk just takes him and just drives him backwards about 20 feet in the water, just pushing him downstream. And that was it. That was the, he finally realized he was completely overmatched. The other, the other little bull elk, the other smaller one, just gone, man. He said he's just watching his buddy getting his ass kicked. So he just took off. And uh, I'm telling you, and then that bull elk stood up and just that other one took off and he gave that eerie cry. And everybody up on the road is clapping and cheering and yelling and, and high-fiving each other. And uh, that, that guy looks over at me and his, and his son's just eyes oh, still just, he hadn't said a word, hadn't said a word. And uh, he looks over and he goes, God, coolest thing he goes that just made our whole trip just made our whole trip and i said god wasn't that incredible and so we walked back up there and they were flying out the next day and he just said thank you so much that just that made our whole yellowstone vacation i'm telling you guys yellowstone park can provide you some of the most 
unbelievable things right when you least expect it. Right when you least expect stuff like that to happen is when it happens. I, I just It's just happened to me over and over and over again. But that is probably the coolest thing I have ever seen in Yellowstone Park in my entire life. It was simply unreal. So hopefully you guys get to see that or at least hear that elk bugle. But if you're coming in the fall in September, October, you will hear those elk bugle along this section of road, I promise you. So all right, as you continue on up the road, Mount Haynes will appear on your right. And Mount Haynes is kind of a nondescript hill and all that kind of stuff, but what it is, is it's part of the original lava flow from 600,000 years ago. This is your first sign that you are entering the caldera of Yellowstone Park because Mount Haynes is made out of lava. The caldera runs right along that ridge to your right right there, and Mount Haynes is basically the start or the western edge of the caldera of Yellowstone. As you drive along through here, you'll notice on your left there's a big rock hill right here. Again, it's all lava rock and everything because the caldera edge goes right through this area right here. You just entered the Yellowstone volcano. It's basically what you did. You're from now on out, you're driving on top of, of the world's of world super volcano, probably one of the second biggest in the world behind Tambora. You're driving on the, uh, the a world super volcano right when you got to Mount Haynes. And on your left, you'll see a huge boulder strewn field that goes up to the left and it's all shattered, broken lava rock. If you get in early in the morning, like at say, you know, 5.30 or 6 o'clock, you guys got to remember the sun comes up about 5, 5.15 in the summer and, and it doesn't set till 9 o'clock. So if you get in early, you'll be one of the first few cars in there and you'll see a bunch of pebbles and rocks about the size of a marble up to a golf ball, even a little bigger than that. On the road right through here, the Madison will be off to your right, and this hill will be off to your left, and Mount Haynes will be back behind you a little bit. Now, what has happened is, is there's a lot of earthquakes that hit Yellowstone Park in this area all day long. There's an estimated between 100 and 150 earthquakes that strike the center of Yellowstone Park and the surrounding areas every single day. I'm telling you guys, about five years ago, there was an earthquake hit in the fall, uh, up north towards the between West Yellowstone and, and Big Sky on the on the, on the northwest corner of the park. I mean, I was sitting there in my cabin eating dinner. I thought my cabin was going to fall down. I mean, my A-frame roof was shaking five and six feet in either direction, ten foot swing back and forth and back and forth. I thought the whole freaking cabin was going to fall down. I ran outside because I thought I was going to get collapsed on. But there's these earthquakes that happen all the time, every single day in Yellowstone Park. They used to have a seismograph up at the old, old faithful visitor center. And uh, they had this deal out in the middle of the room right there, and it was a seismograph. It was a legit seismograph. It had the paper going around and the needle and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, you just sit there and watch that needle just going berserk. You know, people would go, hey, you know, they get a ranger. What's going on? Well, they, oh, that's a seismograph. It's measuring all the, volca the volcanic activity and the earthquakes happening in Yellowstone Park right now. And they go, that's current. And people would just freak out. They would they'd lose their minds thinking that the park's going to erupt again. I mean, after about, God, I think it was there from when I was a kid up till I was probably 20 years old. And I finally went in there and uh, it was gone. And uh, so, man, what'd you guys do with that seismograph? Man, we had to take it out. They had people 
when it was a real that needle was really getting after they'd have people run to their cars and drive out of the park as fast as they could because they thought the park was going to blow up it's crazy there's an estimated 100 150 earthquakes a day i mean you can't feel most of them some of you can but you're just out in the open you don't notice it in yellowstone park every day but that seismograph you just drive people crazy especially the rangers who had to answer all the questions about it so anyway that's pretty cool but there's a bunch of earthquakes but that's a good spot to see a bunch of rocks and stuff on the road in the morning and if you'll you do see that you'll know that a bunch of a bigger some bigger earthquakes hit overnight because you'll see rocks strewn all up and down that section of the road before the cars all knock them off all right so you'll keep rolling up the road the madison's on your right the road will swing back quickly to your right and you guys can kind of follow all this on a map there's a map in the back of the guide but you can kind of see what i'm going as i'm talking to you you can see what you're going through in that map that we provide in the back of the guidebook the road will uh, swing back to your right, and the Madison is still over there on your right. You'll be in the second or upper meadow, and this is the place to see bison up close in the springtime and elk in the fall, and you'll hear that bugle. This is the spot, and there's about three or four really nice pullouts on your right, and this meadow is a fourth the size of the first or lower meadow you went by earlier, and it's just smaller. The animals are co congregated close to the road. Road. And the river's over to the far right, so it kind of shoves them over towards the road even further. So, yeah, this is the, the spot to see bison up close in the springtime and also see the elk. This is a, a the spot to see elk bugling in the fall. There's a great video on our YouTube page about a big elk bugling right here in the same area right here. This this is the spot, and you'll see uh, he'll have his harem, and he's over there checking them all out and everything else. It's really, really cool. It's probably the best spot anywhere on planet Earth to see all this, uh, up close and personal. So, But the most important thing in this area is at the third or last pullout, up towards the eastern end of this meadow and you'll look over to your right and just before you the road kind of dives up the hill to the left and into the trees you'll see a nondescript mountain off to your right and that is called National Park Mountain. There is a wonderful, great, important story about what happened at the base of National Park Mountain and the story of three brave brothers who were the third, fourth, and fifth white men to ever venture into Yellowstone Park and who were instrumental in getting Yellowstone Park named the world's first national park. And I tell that story in the guidebook in depth, but I'm just telling you guys, without these three brothers visiting Yellowstone Park, I don't think the Hayden Expedition ever happens. I don't think Thomas Moran goes to Artist Point and paints that painting that was brought to Congress and with tears streaming down his cheeks says, man cannot touch what God has wrought in this magnificent place. I am not worthy to paint it. Without those three brothers going into Yellowstone Park and risking their lives, I don't think Yellowstone Park exists when it exists. It might have existed 10 or 20 years after this. You guys got to remember, right before Yellowstone Park got named National Park in 1817, it was the Civil War. So there was very little interest taken in, in going over to and visiting areas like this that could be preserved as the world's... You Nobody know, even knew what a national park was. But I tell that really important, fabulous story about the three brothers and where you can find the Three Brothers Peaks in the guidebook. And for some reason, the Park Service has neglected or just chose not to 
do any, say anything about this. So when you guys pull into that third or last stop up there on the right, you'll see a, a plaque out there, a little three foot by three foot plaque out there, and it's ex talking about the elk, but it says nothing about the three brothers. And I, I'm just telling you guys, I think the three brother story is without question the most important story of getting Yellowstone Park named the world's first national park in, in 1872. I, it makes you wonder if any national park would even exist. I'm sure they would after 150 years. But at that point in time, without those three brothers going into the park, it, it, it just begs you to wonder what would happen. And I go into all those things in the guidebook. It is a fabulous story. You guys can pull over, open the guidebook up, and read that to everybody in your group. And it, it is just a an amazing story that uh, everyone should hear. And you're not going to find this story in any other guidebooks out there. You know, I don't know why, to be honest with you. I've just heard this story my whole life. I mean, my granddad told my dad, and my dad told me about this story. But there's no plaques or markers marking this area. But every time I drive by there, I see somebody with a guidebook out there telling everybody in their group about the, about this great story. It's, it's really neat to see that as I drive by every day. And uh, with all that, we're just about done with all of this. So once you leave that last pull out on the right, and then the road kind of swings back up into the trees, dives back off to the right a little bit, and you'll start seeing tents and campgrounds and motorhomes and, and this and that and the other off to your right, and that is the Madison Campground. You'll go past the entry to that real quick, and then before you know it, you're going to be sitting there at Madison Junction. And depending on what you're going to go do for the day, Madison Junction, you just hit the middle or the west side of the lower loop of the the Grand Loop, as they call it. This is a big figure eight. It's just shaped just like a figure eight. You can look in that map in the back of the guidebook and kind of see where it hits. But you're on the middle of the lower loop, the lower part of the figure eight, the lower circle of the figure eight. And from there, you can go right and go to Old Faithful and Grand Geyser and Grand Prismatic and all that yada, yada, yada. Or you go left and go to Norris and then cut back east and go to Canyon and go to the waterfalls and go to Artist Point and all that stuff. Or you can go from Norris up to Mammoth and Mammoth up to Tower and go hunt bears. But all all of that's in the guidebook and it all tells you how to do that so if you want to go up say you're going from uh, you're going to go to the waterfall so you're so you're going to listen to this podcast which you've already only need to listen to everything one time so that's kind of nice and then from there you're going to listen from madison junction to norris and there's some neat stuff on that little section of road it's only 12 miles long and then uh, that covers that junction of road and then you're going to go from norris to canyon and there's not a lot to see along there but i tell you some fun and interesting stories along there listen to those podcasts to kind of pick everything up from there say you're going to the canyon area to go to the upper and lower falls artist point and bring in the lower falls and all that stuff so the guidebook of course tells you everything you need to know once you get to these main areas but uh, you know these podcasts really throw some cool stories in there just getting to the main areas all right everybody have a great time this summer we have now covered west entry gate to madison junction and wherever you guys are going pick up on the next podcast and go from there so and remember anybody that wants to save some time and money on their yellowstone vacation pick up a copy of that guidebook i promise you it's going to help you out on both those avenues and those are two of my top priorities i promise you so everybody have a great time in the parks and uh, listen for that next podcast and uh, talk to you guys later thanks very much